You are listening to What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Welcome back to yet another episode of What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Today we'll be reviewing Driven from 2020 and The Barn from 2016. So we'll start with Driven from 2020. Yep. Um, movie starts out with this woman driving for a ferry, which is kind of like an Uber service is what it feels like. Um, she's driving around and she's kind of kind of doing a self-commentary and everything that's going on with all of the people that are riding with her. And it shows her having interactions with them. And come up with a lot, trying to come up with these like comedy skits is what it sounds like. And she keeps working on them. There's a few of them she says she has to work on afterwards. And while this is going on, you know, some of them are just weird. There's one guy that gets in, in particular, toward the end of this thing that really stands out. He's asking, Oh, this car, it's really nice. Um, what'd you pay for? What's the retail and everything? She's trying to explain that her sister has a lease on it, it's not her car. And the guy asked, So, how much do you pay for it? So, did you not listen to what it was? she didn't say it, but you know, that's what she what someone would be thinking. Um, I just told you it's my sister's car. I'd have no idea how much it costs. She goes, I can text her if you want. Not while you're driving. You're scaring me already. Like, <laughs> Damn. Anyhow, she's going around to that. She talks to her roommate and stuff. And then um, briefly on the phone for a second and says, she'll call her back. She got a ride as much as a ride. She gets this guy in and he says, uh, offers her a big tip if she makes it through all these different um, stops he has to make after you get, um, so she calls her roommate and says, okay, we're going to be able to pay rent this month. Uh, Cause apparently it's, she's not really well off. Well, he goes his first stop and she's talking on the phone there when this is happening. Cause he'd offered to pay the tip and goes into the house. And then just as she's saying this, you see this shadow on the window of someone getting dragged away, like uh, someone being attacked. And then he hops in the car and let's go to the next stop, which by the way, um, it's funny because he got out of the car and never said where the next stop was, but apparently somehow there was a conversation we didn't hear. So while this is happening, you know, she goes to the next stop and he goes in again and, you know, she asks again, do you want me to wait or does it want me to go for a little while and come back? Because wait, um, he comes back to the car in a real hurry this time. This time, but um, what you don't know, she doesn't notice is he leaves a big smear mark of blood on her window, right on the edge of her window, the back of it, on the car side, driver's side. And he gets in the car, kind of freaking out. And she's uh, going along here and uh, he starts acting really creepy and stuff at this point. And then she notices blood and starts to freak out, you know, and he goes, he pulls out a knife and goes, I got a knife. You're going to take me to my next stop. And he, when this, he, he pulls the knife and then she's like well i gotta check and see where the stop is and she starts playing on the phone and the phone she's trying down 911 well he freaks out pushes pushes forward scares her she drops her and knocks her phone out of her hand and falls on the passenger side on the floor again pulling the knife thing but he says are you gonna kill me no and then it's just really weird conversation this guy's like you want to talk awkward this guy hasn't had a regular conversation, I think, in probably his entire life. You can tell at this point. Everything's back and forth, wishy-washy. He's polite one second and mean the next. And it's just really strange, awkward. Well, he's trying to explain to her that, because she says, are you killing people? No. And he's like, so who is it? Whose blood was that? And he goes, um, he explains, starts explaining in a weird, awkward way about the fact that he's trying to get rid of a curse on his family. Uh, because his family made a deal with uh, evil spirits and stuff to give them wealth. That's why he has plenty of money. Everything he does, he makes money off of. And that he's hunting down and trying to get everything he needs to uh, 
to basically dismiss this curse and get rid of these demons before they take up because they keep it possessing people. And but they're not demons. He goes demon for lack of a better word, which by the way, if at this point you think it's okay, I can deal with this. By the end of the movie, you will hate that phrase. I guarantee it. That is one thing. They way overdid that phrase. So they go, anyhow, that happens. She kind of, because she's kind of weird too, sort of acts like she kind of believes him at the same time. So she has to get gas. They're going in. At this point, I still don't know why she didn't run at first. At this point, when she got the gas, he went in and paid for it, but she decided not to. Was filling up the gas. And then as they get back, you, go, you see when they first go in, you see the cop, which I didn't mention this. They got pulled over by a cop and the cop literally pulls his gun on her to try and get her to open the door, let her in to get the guy. She says that he's in the back trying to do one um, thinks because she thinks he killed somebody. He gets tackled by her, knocked unconscious. His gun gets flying. Then um, and throughout all this, you know, she, she they wind up uh, getting a tire iron and she protects the guy and hits him with a uh, four way which is an awkward weapon, by the way, but it worked. And they get back in the car. Like they said, they go to the gas station while they're gone in to pay the, uh, cause she's, she says he has to pay for snacks too. The cop shows up at the door, which by the way, they've driven quite a ways. So I'm a little confused on how he caught up so quick, but he's at, looks in and then he disappears while well, they come back to the car. She fell in the car up. And just as they're talking, what are we going to do? I mean, we, we left them as back there and there should be a while for it. And then he just walks up, the cops behind him and starts, you know, trying to kill him. And while this happens, she hits him with the tire that she got out of the car. So they get back in the car and they're driving around um, trying to figure things out. And they figure out that he's got to go back and get the talisman he dropped at the last house, which is the only way he can um, dismiss this whole, like, do this ritual and vanquish the demons, get rid of them. But the, so they talk about going back there and then they wind up skirting around it and they act like they can go back. And I thought they were, but then they don't. And it's, it takes a little while. This is kind of a little drawn out. During this time, um, he still tells her he's still going to give her the money, not to worry. She gets mad at him. They get in a little bit of a spat about it, too. She kicks him out of the car for a minute and then decides to pick him back, uh, let him back in. And when this happens, uh, they finally go down. They go back to the house. Well, during this, he tells her, stay in the car. Just stay in the car. And... She sees the girls from earlier and a, a couple other creepy people creep climbing into the front door. We're like lumbering in. You can kind of tell that they're possessed and she'd already saw the girl. So while, the, while he's in there and she starts beeping the horn, well, he comes running around from the backside, but because they're all turned, they find him, they start attacking him. She goes over, helps him out, hits him, hits the guy with the um, tire iron again, gets back in the car, they drive away. Uh, here he, he gets in and the talisman is busted anyway. It's shattered. So that's not going to work. So they're trying to figure out something else, but they decide to keep going around because he needs an oak branch, a pine branch, a cedar branch. And he's doing it with the tr all the, basically the streets around it are all named after types of wood uh, trees. And he's grabbing them from their perspective places. He's looking for a maple branch from a maple tree on Maple Ave. He's looking for an oak branch on Oak Ave. And it's just, it's, he does, says he isn't sure if that has to happen. But he also says he has to be ferried around so that she's a part of this too. And it turns out that he used the wrong spelling of fairy. He read it after he translated with his translation. It's the wrong spelling. And it means fairy as in like a horseshoe someone puts uh, shoes on horses, not fairy as in someone who takes you around. So at this point, she's trying to explain to him because she's really into words. Uh, it's one of her things she does. 
And so basically at that ends is, okay, well, we do what we have to do. So you're my fairy. Either way, I'm going to look at it this way. And they keep driving around again. And then eventually, you know, get a few more attacks here and there and, and stuff by these things. Um, before early on, right at the very beginning, just before she picked him up, she, where, uh, she found this bag in the street. She tried calling, uh, she got a phone call on this. While he was out of the car, the phone call was from someone thinking it was a girl he the guy was with. He goes, no, no, I just, I found this bag in the street. Um, uh, call me later on in the phone later if you find him and talk to him and find out where he's at and I'll get it back to him. If not, then I'll take it to the police station. Well, ironically, they get rear-ended. And in this midst of all the, everything going on, while the guy's still in the car, um, turns out it's that guy's phone and bag which is really funny, right? Well, then they realize that, uh, as they're saying that it's really awkward that this is going on, she gets pulled out of the car and stuff, and then he winds up um, saving her this time from the guy. They knock him out. Turns out that he was possessed as well, and that's why he didn't have his bag. So the guy tries driving away this time, and he, they're trying to hurry. He's driving three to five miles an hour to get away from this thing. That's it. He's never driven before, apparently. So she finally talks him into letting her switch with him. And he's thinking he's getting away. And then she starts driving. He goes, yeah, you're right. This is a lot faster, <laughs> you think. <laughs> if you're watching at this point, you're like, yeah, okay. Even if you're not a driver, you know the car is going slow, right? Especially if you're scared. That's what she he explains that his father never let him drive. His father wouldn't let him do anything. It was kind of like his father is a uh, kind of this really picky person that like kept all his money close and everything. And his grandfather turned out to be quite the, for lack of a better phrase, male slut. So he got around. So he doesn't know. Now the thing is that the bloodline ends with him. If he died, the curse should go away. The whole deal should go away. But if he has illegitimate cousins out there because of his grandfather's situation, well, then that's the problem with something happening to him. So he goes through, it goes through this section all this explanation, you know, they make a plan and stuff to go back and then they get into a fight. Well, she kicks him out. Um, this is after stopping at the apartment quick. They stop by the apartment. They, he gives her, because uh, silver hurts these things. That's actually how he got that guy. He got him a silver in the mouth and it um, got, got rid of the demon. And he's got this, some kind of dust that he throws, that can throw at their eyes that we find out later that works. I think it might be salt or something. He said cayenne pepper works in a pinch. Um, it's worked before for him, but he, she's like one of these people with lots of sprays and scents and stuff. So she take she has sage at her apartment is one of the things that helps. That might actually be the dust. Or her roommate comes out, explains to her too that the um, her ex girlfriend was there visiting because they were all friends. Well, apparently, her and her ex girlfriend used to fight all the time because for one. They just did, but also because her, her ex-girlfriend was really jealous. And instead of arguing, she'd sit in the car all the time. Same with, this is where she comes out with the fact that she wants to be a comedian, but sits outside in the car, has never actually stood up on stage because she's never ha had to get up and go to go inside. And, you know, he explains to her, says something kind of wise. He goes, well, you know, sometimes you have to get out of the car if you want anything to happen. Anyhow, they take off. Like I said, they get in that fight. He's got the stuff, but she um, drops him off at the cemetery thing and leaves him uh decides it's do they have to decide between the old cemetery and the new cemetery apparently the older part of the cemetery has been paved over um so then he went to the part that still had graves and stuff because he didn't know the difference uh, apparently one of the things he needed was he, the first house there where he'd actually stabbed somebody or cut him somehow he just needed some blood from one of these demons to complete the ritual that done 
she takes off. She winds up going back home. And as she gets there, okay, and I'm going to explain something else a little later because I'll explain it all at once because otherwise it won't make as much sense. But she gets there and her ex-girlfriend's there and needs a ride. She needs a ride to, uh, she was going to get a taxi, so it wouldn't be awkward. But rather than have her go for a taxi, she has her go with her to take her to the airport. And it turns out that at some point during this whole thing, while she was gone for a while, she had shooed horses, hence the other type of fairy. So she was, she got this crazy idea in her head, you know, and her girlfriend talking to her that sometimes you just need to have faith in people and just go through it. It's not, wasn't all me. And after a while, she starts to think, you know, this guy really kind of needs my help. You can tell she's transitioning to this and she decides to go help him. Well, she literally drops her ex-girlfriend off, knowing these demons are everywhere, drops her ex-girlfriend off and block and a half away from the airport and decides to go help this guy, you know, who, by the way, we'll get into this because it happens throughout it, but it's a little confusing and it bugs him and keeps going. They talk about how poor they are. They talk about um, uh, turd spoon, turd spoon poor. So turd spoon poor on a nutshell, this happens throughout a lot before she finally breaks down, says, is they have a toilet in the apartment. That's how poor they are. Um, that they have to break up sometimes the excrement small enough so they can actually flush it because it won't flush any other way. And that's one of the reasons why they like to get some money to, you know, ahead because they'd like to get a working plumbing system because <laughs> uh, the, apparently the apartments where they live in are so old and not old as in like antique old, but old as in junk garbage and if they want anything fixed they're gonna have to fix it themselves because the landlord's not gonna do it so that's a running joke to the show so there is a little humor there too and she goes back to help him he's getting in a fight with a whole bunch of these things um helps him out gets him out of there and she had found out from her ex-girlfriend which is weird because her ex-girlfriend explained to her where this was but then he gets in the car and this is a pet peeve spot she explains to him that when she gets to the other place it's paved over which is like a school or something school parking lot or something and she says yeah the bodies were everywhere and excavating and stuff it's like well why did she have to have that information given to her by the ex-girlfriend if she knew about the bodies you'd think that she would remember that if if she remembered as vividly as she explained it anyhow as he's about to do the ritual he's got all the branches and stuff together and he's got the demon blood and lyle and everything he's getting ready he's got all in the back seat he's getting ready to go deal with this and all of a sudden he gets abducted by a whole bunch of these possessed people well she locks herself in the car she goes just give me that the guy starts talking to her um the one that rear-ended her era. No, it wasn't rear-ended. It was the guy that he gets possessed. First, she gets talked to by a girl, but then she possesses that guy. And then he starts talking to her and explaining, you know, if you don't give that to me, we're going to take it anyway. So she finally unlocks the door. She clocks him across the face and hits him his nose, takes the blood and just smears it onto the pile on the back seat. At this point, I we haven't seen anything really supernaturally other than the guy, people, you know, being like acting weird possessed. Well, it starts glowing and you see this like vapor coming off it and stuff. It's it's kind of a cool effect, to be honest. It's more than I expected at this point. And then, um, you know, all these possessed people start foaming at the mouth and smoke starts rolling out of them. And it's kind of an interesting situation. Um, and they start driving away and he comes too because he's unconscious for a minute. And they start talking like friends. And he goes, well, what happens now? Well, I go back to my ho my hotel because the, my only friend in town apparently lives in a place where you can't even go to the bathroom without a poop spoon. So, <laughs> so I decided uh, he goes back and he says, uh, I'm going to, uh, well, she's going, he goes back and to the place and gets out and they become kind of friends this at this point. Well, she winds up going home and then 
the next thing you know, she's going to the, uh, she's outside the comic club. It's kind of weird how they transitioned it so quickly because it almost feels like she never got out of the car. But she's at the comic club and she gets out and goes in and finally he's going to do something with it. So I kind of like that ending. It was a nice full ending to it, except for the fact I felt like there could have been some kind of connection between her and the guy. They seem to be kind of hitting it off a little bit weird. But then again, she had a girlfriend, so I'm not sure about that. So it's kind of a little bit of an odd situation. But in general, the movie was there was no true blood and gore was my one pet peeve with it. But the storyline on it was kind of interesting. So it's kind of got both things. What are your thoughts on Orlando? Well, my thoughts, this movie had a pretty good story. Could have made the demons actually look like horror movie demons instead of looking like humans. I hated the fact that there was zero gore in this movie. The only blood you ever see is when Roger runs back into Emerson's car and when he gets hit in the face for the blood ritual or the ritual. And yeah, I mean, the ending was okay, but I really don't have much to say about it i mean i liked the movie and it looked like other people did too like google they gave it a 74 percent rotten tomato 71 with the audience score 57 so yeah i just don't have much to say about this one i mean i got plenty to say about mine but this one nothing yeah it was mostly just driving around uh what 90% wasn't him talking and it was an awkwardness to it I mean I know I, I'm not sure if it's the actors it's probably also the rules they're playing so it was a little awkward it almost felt a little forced in parts but I think that was the way it's supposed to feel is the way I'm taking it so in general it wasn't yeah it was a I did feel lacking of gore as far as like but that's not the type of movie it was it's almost like a thriller slash movie but like a a weird almost not scary in some points the movie yeah but uh yeah as for my rating for this i gave it a four that's where i was at four skulls because it could have been done a little bit better i mean like i said you could have they could have went a little farther with some of the gore or something or had something weird or like you said the uh possessed people but the possessed people are supposed to be untraceable not noticeable that they were possessed so there's that so i mean i don't know it it wasn't the greatest movie in the world but it wasn't bad i could watch it yeah and uh when it came to budget and box office scores i couldn't find anything for this film or even mine too so but uh yeah that's it for driven from 2020 so we'll go with my movie next which is the barn from 2016 so this movie starts out with a bunch of kids from 1959 going to a church house inside they are told that they should go for trick-or-treating but you can see a little girl has other plans when the preacher tells them a certain part of land is off limits she looks at the boy with a huge smirk and he's shaking his head saying no to any plans she has then everybody leaves the building and starts going out for candy the little girl and the boy end up going to the barn as she clearly planned after she gives the boy another smirk while holding a lantern she calls him a chicken after he says that the barn is off limits as the preacher stated the little girl is being dumb like most kids by going closer to the barn after talking about Every house that has a lit jack-o'-lantern outside has candy. The boy wants to go back to town, but the girl doesn't. And she heads close to the barn and knocks on the door saying trick-or-treat a bunch of times until the door is slightly open with her looking back at the boy with a smart-ass look on her face. Then you notice three Halloween-type monsters walking up to the girl 
as she says some more nonsense to the monsters. And one of them drives a pickaxe into the top of her skull, blood running down her face. The boy drops the lantern in the horror of what he just witnessed and starts running away, screaming. Then Then you finally see the monsters dragging the girl's dead body into the barn. Then the movie jumps forward to October 30th, 1989, where best friends Sam and Josh, plus some other friends, have have plans for their last Halloween in high school. The best friends decide to go trick-or-treating for this uptight bitch who got Sam in trouble with his dad, and then plan to go to a rock concert with their other friends. On their way to the concert, they make a detour to the barn where things begin to go wrong for all six teenagers after awakening the boogeyman hello jack and the candy corn scarecrow like the little girl did in the beginning of the movie it's now up to sam and josh to fight against these three monsters to help save their friends from having the same fate as the little girl first victim to be killed is russell by the boogeyman with a hammer after checking out the chicken coop and discovering a head inside of it after russell's death chris and Nikki go into the corn maze where Chris has blindfolded Nikki and has her discover the tent and fire he made after she takes off the blindfold. The couple then go into the tent to finish what they tried starting earlier in the movie. After Nikki takes off her bra, you see outside of the tent where the candy corn scarecrow becomes alive once again. But you end up seeing Sam, Josh, and Michelle, now dressed in their Halloween costumes, walking into town, unknowing to Michelle, the two boys have other plans than trick-or-treating. It goes back to Chris and Nikki, who just started putting their clothes back on, and shortly after, Chris notices somebody watching them, but Nikki does not see them. Chris gets up and leaves Nikki by herself to go see who it is after thinking it might be Russell being a pervert. Out of nowhere, you hear a creepy laugh and Nikki gets up to go see who that is, not knowing that it's the candy corn scarecrow. After turning off the radio and planning to go back to the van, she is met by the candy corn scarecrow and thinks it's Russell trying to scare her. After discovering it's not Russell, the candy corn scarecrow takes some kind of blade and cuts off the lower section of her arm. She falls to the ground screaming and as he starts eating her arm and then he kills her with another slice of the blade. After Nikki's death, Sam and Michelle sit down at some random house to relax after trick-or-treating. Josh ends up scaring Sam while he decides to leave Michelle alone with Josh to go back to houses that had better treats for them. Soon after, Michelle admits her feelings for Sam to Josh. The scene once again goes back to the barn where Chris goes inside, unaware of Nikki and Russell's deaths caused by the boogeyman and the candy corn scarecrow. Shortly after, he meets the boogeyman who's turning Russell's body into grounded meat. Chris wonders what's going on, and then he sees Russell's head on a table falling by the boogeyman starting to eat Russell's grounded up body after escaping tiny room he is met with a hollow jack who grabs him from behind and the candy corn scarecrow but somehow gets away and runs out the front door chris then runs back to the corn maze thinking his girlfriend Nikki is still inside of the tent, but after discovering she's not in the tent, he finds her bloody arm next to the radio. He sees the monsters coming, so he runs into the cornfield in order to get away from them. We are yet again met with Sam and Michelle, who is still sitting outside 
of the house, Sam and Michelle are about to kiss. But of course, Josh ruins it by showing back up. Chris ends up getting away after all when he ends up being at the same part of town that has been the best friends and Michelle. Thinking they are random trick-or-treaters, one of the monsters steals Sam's bag of candy. After they decide to leave it alone, they leave the house to go to some party they heard about. The lady who gave Sam, Josh, and Michelle candy earlier hears her doorbell ring, but nobody is there. After closing her door, she is met with all three of the monsters and thinks they are Halloween costumes. After giving the boogeyman an apple, Hollow Jack takes an axe to her head. The guys and Michelle end up at the party after running into a guy who smashes pumpkins each Halloween. Sam and Josh are told by the crazy man about what he calls the demons and describes each one in detail. The boogeyman is a miner who dug a hole out from hell. Hollow Jack is the watcher who can take pumpkins out of his patch and uses them to watch over the land and the candy corn scarecrow is the protector of the harvest soon after asking crazy man how he knows so much you discover he's the boy who witnessed his friend get killed in the beginning of the movie as soon as michelle brings something to drink for the boys they begin to argue over the tickets for the rock cancer sam not growing up and that josh has been not the same since his dad died michelle leaves after finding out that sam didn't want her to come along in the first place then after some more Words being said, Josh walks away, but is unable to leave the building after somebody locks the door from the outside. Out of nowhere, Chris arrives to the same party screaming for help and finally runs into Sam and Josh, telling them what happened to Russell and Nikki. The three monsters come to the party and start killing the band that was playing music. Sam, thinking it's a joke and laughs, he ends up walking away from Josh and Chris to get his candy back from the boogeyman soon after Getting pushed to the floor, he finds out that it's not a joke after all. More killing of other partygoers happens. Chris, Sam, and Josh end up hiding while more and more death happens around them. Chris says he's going back to his van, but ends up dropping his keys and hides under a table. At finding out from the crazy man that only way to stop these monsters from collecting meat for the devil is for those who knocked on the door to die or maybe possibly for them all to hide until after midnight. The crazy old man goes after the monsters with a weapon he just randomly made. Sam comes up with a plan for them to get away by just simply putting their masks back on. After a few moments, the crazy man meets his maker when one of the monsters gets his weapon and slices him open. The monsters see Chris trying to leave and begin going after him after he heads out the unlocked door. Sam and Josh walk up to the now dying crazy man who admits he tried, but they are too strong together. He dies after telling them, send those motherfuckers back to hell. Sam and Josh get to Chris's van, come up with a plan to stop the monsters from feeding. The plan is to call them all out one by one at the places they protect. The first place they go is to the pumpkin patch to bring out Hello Jack, but end up finding Chris's dead body with the inside of his head hollowed out and turned into a human jack-o'-lantern while tied up on his knees. Josh hears something and ends up getting knocked out by Hello Jack's axe. Hello Jack tries to swing his axe at Sam but misses. After putting his mask back on, Sam 
attacks Hollowjack by swinging a barbed wire wrapped bat and headbutting him. At first, it seems to kill the monster, but Sam finds out that him and Josh need to smash the pumpkins in order to kill Hollowjack. After thinking they smashed all the pumpkins, they begin to walk away, find out they missed one that was hidden in a pillowcase. Hollowjack uses his powers to trap the boys by their feet, and they soon after find out that their job is not quite done yet with Hollowjack. After they use some kind of poison spray, they are freed. Sam uses the axe to Hollowjack's melted face, and Josh uses a M80 to make Hollowjack into pumpkin pie, as Sam stated. After finally killing Hollowjack, they go to the cornfield where they they find Nikki's dead body. Her eyes are ripped out and she's stuck on a pole, almost like a scarecrow, through her mouth and possibly out her rectum. Pretty damn gross. Josh being extremely pissed, he calls out the candy corn scarecrow to show himself. Sam tells Josh to shut up and that they don't know what else is out in the field. The candy corn scarecrow shows up ready to kill the boys. Josh tells Sam he's mine. Armed with a with gardening shears, Josh walks up to the candy corn scarecrow, ready to kill him. After the fight between the two, it looks like Josh has won, but sadly, he is stabbed in the stomach with a sickle. Sam then attacks the candy corn scarecrow with his bare fist, punching punching it repeatedly until he gets knocked out by a rock by the candy corn scarecrow. He wakes up to the sounds of hearing Josh screams and runs to help his best friend but cannot find him. Sam ends up back to the van where he sees what's possibly could be the monsters returning to the barn. Soon as he starts to back up the van, he is attacked by the boogeyman who ends up standing in front of the van after Sam stops. Sam puts it back into drive, hits him with the van, thinking he killed him, but finds him behind the van, puts it in reverse, runs this fucker over again. Sam jumps out of the back of the van and quickly finds the boogeyman is gone. Sam hears what I can only guess is Michelle screaming and goes to the barn where he finds out what he saw as he goes into the barn was not the monsters, but the preacher and others who worship the devil and his three monsters. Sam soon disguises himself as one of them and enters the barn to find that Michelle is tied up and about to be sacrificed. The candy corn scarecrow arrives to bring what is left for the devil. Soon as the preacher empties the bag and discovers it's the head of the candy corn scarecrow, it is shown that it's not obviously him but Josh underneath the clothes. Josh grabs something in the barn to use as a weapon. You find out that the worshippers are not human but demons themselves. Sam takes off his disguise as well and uses a blade to cut off part of a demon's head. Josh is shocked to see that Sam is still alive. Sam then starts attacking and killing all of the other demons with random stuff he finds around the barn. After freeing Michelle, Josh tells Sam to go to the van so he can finish ending the feeding alone. Sam and Michelle go back to the van after telling Michelle to leave without him. Sam returns to the barn to finish what him and Josh begun. Sam returns to help Josh and Josh ends up stabbing the preacher with a cross-shaped knife. Sam assures Josh that 
it had to be done because he was one of them. The boys spray a giant can filled with dead body parts with poison. Sam, Sam ends up attack, getting attacked from behind by the boogeyman after finding the rest of the bodies. Sam ends up stabbing the boogeyman in the leg, gardening scissors. Meanwhile, Josh is spraying the rest of the bodies with the poison as Sam still fights off the boogeyman and wins. As that is happening, Josh finds the hole to hell while still spraying poison. The boys try to escape but can't because it turns out that Josh did not kill the preacher as we all thought. Preacher knocks down a candle onto the floor, burning the barn with Sam and Josh still trapped down below. Sam makes another attempt at freeing themselves, but the boogeyman reappears after not dying by Sam's hand. Choking Sam, he grabs for his hammer and is about to kill Sam but is stabbed in both his eyes by a piece of wood that Sam broke off. Sam again stabs the boogeyman and grabs the shovel, knocking him on his feet, then finally says, Hey, boogeyman, trick or treat, bitch, and stabs the fucker in the face with the shovel, cutting half of his head off. After sitting down to rest, the boys talk about what they'll do if they survive. Sam won't go trick-or-treating again, and Josh will start going back to church on Sundays. They both end up hearing an evil growl. Sam then realized they are not quite done yet. The movie ends with the boys talking about how they'll be remembered, followed by the devil's hand reaching out of the hole, and the boys about to attack. So, yeah, that's basically it right there. Now, did you watch the credits? No, I did not. It does do a little thing. She, uh, the, the girl walk, driving away, the, the, has the skull mask on. She takes the mask off, tosses it on the floor. Guess what's behind her seat? Pumpkin. Did the eyes start to glow? Oh, so that's why the devil. So they did finish it, just didn't finish. They didn't finish the last one. It was still alive. Yeah. So that's why I was wondering that same thing. Cause technically if they killed those three and had no offerings. There should be no reason for the devil to come forward. But yeah, that, that was another one's credit things. Sometimes we have to watch these credits, even though they're boring. Yeah. I never watch credits unless I get told to watch them because like towards the end of credits in some movies, they uh, have something going on. Like, like I just watched the uh, all three of the Hangover movies, and in the third one, after you watch the end credits, you see something funny happening. Yep. Um, but there was a little uh, little tidbit to why that was still going on. Uh, the one problem I had is they're trapped in the cellar of a burning barn. Do they die? Do they not die? No. I, I, I I hate the open ending ending ending, but that's just me. But that's yeah. classic for like that genre movie it feels like an 80s movie is what it does the whole thing does yeah fucking that ending it really did suck i mean not knowing the fate of them too i mean it could possibly be that they died i mean that's the fucking devil but you don't actually see them attacking it once they like raise their weapons it freezes and then that's the end of the movie yep Uh, but yeah when it comes to scores and everything like I said earlier, when we were talking about Tim's pick, there was no information anywhere that I could find a budget or box office scores. When it came to Google, they gave it a 74. Rotten Tomato, they just said fuck it and didn't even give it a score, but the audience score gave it a 17, which I disagree with. I mean, I agree more with Google's 74. Me personally, I would have gave it a little higher than that, which is why I don't use either of these. But uh, when it came to my thoughts, I loved how they killed the spoiled little girl within the first three minutes of the movie i thought that was awesome she deserved it blood and gore was there for damn sure in this movie i also 
loved how they had Ari Lehman from the very first Friday the 13th movie who played the uh, Dr. Rock character. He was like this TV personality that actually talked about the concert that the teenagers wanted to go to. But yeah, he played the original Jason in the very first Friday the 13th when he uh, pops out of the water, attack that girl in the boat. Yeah, he was that little kid. So that was pretty cool. The look of the boogeyman, Hollow Jack, and the candy corn scarecrow were okay. Could have been done much better with much better makeup. I really did like the kills in this movie. They were on point. And like we, and like Tim stated, it gives off a real 80s horror experience with the way they filmed this movie like the effects of this movie in general felt really 80s but uh yeah like i said earlier this whole movie was great but that ending it could have been done better and then i liked kind of wish the candy corn scarecrow's teeth when you see his teeth they don't even look like candy corn that's how i was kind of thinking that is the reason why they called him that but nope his teeth just look like big rotten things so it hit two of your key points there was some partial nudity and then you also had lots of gore those are two points on a horror movie that i kind of like but yeah it definitely had an 80s feel it almost felt like um cross uh you have if anyone's ever watched Ernest scared stupid it had those type of effects for like the creatures like the electricity moving whenever they changed or got hurt or got summoned it's like an electricity to them it's kind of weird like fake electricity uh, effect. It was, but it did. It wasn't bad. It just made me feel like I was watching an eighties movie. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Yeah, when it came to my rating, I gave it a four point five. Yeah, I was there too. Four point five. I could watch this again. It was actually kind of. I mean, I was surprised. It is a what twenty sixteen movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, now I would have if I didn't know that. I would have suspected it's actually an eighties movie, like eighties early nineties movie. Um, it didn't feel like a 2016 movie, but it felt like a decent like horror flick. So, like you said, Blood and Core was excellent. Like when the very beginning, when he drives that pickaxe through a, that girl's head, it's pretty damn good, pretty well done actually. It's yeah, right in the beginning, you know, in the first few minutes, like yep, the gore factor is gonna be good. Yeah, I think that's the most fucked up killing of a kid I've seen in horror movies. Yeah, there's no hesitation, but she deserved it too. She was just, oh, I mean, not really truly deserved to die, so to speak, but you know, you didn't feel as bad for her as you did the other deaths. Oh yeah, I mean, she was clearly a spoiled little shit. <laughs> yes, very much so. But yeah, I was at 4.5 on that as well. I did enjoy that better than the other one because the other one's a little bit dry. Good, straightforward, not decent thriller, but dry mine was. Whereas yours was blood and gore, you know. And then you think you're getting a tease, you know, that's a funny thing. When it first happens, they start to get hot and, hot and heavy in the van. You're thinking, is this almost as tease like you're going to see a set of boobies? And then all of a sudden, later on, you find out you do get to see a set. And I'm sure at this point, I guarantee you, Lando is smiling. Yeah, her tits were nice, but she just wasn't my type. <laughs> no, she was kind of annoying, actually. Well, it wasn't that she wasn't good looking. She had nice tits, though. I'll give her that. And that's all I'll give her. And that's all I'll give the rest of this fucking movie. As always, if you guys got any movie suggestion, you can always email us at whatinthehorrorpodcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up and give us a follow on our Twitter. That's whatinthehorrorpodcast, all one word. As always, I've been Lando. And I've been Tim. And we're the fuck out of here. You were listening to What in the Horror. See you next time. ha <laughs> ha.